Welcome to Time to Market, a podcast by Lean B2B and SK Murphy, where we share principles, actionable advice, and rules of thumbs for B2B founders. This week, we keep going with our discussion on sales. The topic, product demos. We talk about what the purpose of demos should be, who owns them and how they should be tailored, how to deal with mixed audiences with multiple stakeholders, how to talk about your company, and how to evaluate whether or not your demos and your demo process are working. We hope you enjoyed this brand new episode. Hi there, Sean. How are you today? Good. Do you remember, like a couple of weeks back, we recorded an episode on sales? Why, yes, yes, I do. Do you remember what you said after the episode? We should do demos. Yeah, but you also said, oh, there's so many things I wanted to fit in this episode that I was not able to fit in this episode. So it just made sense to do a part two, like how you get meetings and appointments and how you go around about that. So how about we talk about demos? I think that'd be good. All right, great. You have done a lot of product demos. You have worked and advised a lot of entrepreneurs and startups. Why do we even do demos? What's the, the core purpose of doing demos? So broadly, you either want to give people a sense of what they can accomplish with your product, or you want to offer some level of proof that it's going to provide them value. So it's either a glimpse of possibilities or some level of proof. But can't I just put a video on YouTube and then that should be good enough? Well, I define a demo as a conversation that's driven by mutual curiosity. So if you want an explainer video, that's fine. That kind of explains how the product works. But the challenge is products normally become pretty rich and complex pretty quickly. So you're going to be more effective if you understand the particular needs of the person you're talking to or the team you're talking to, and you tailor or customize your presentation just to what they're interested in. I think too often... People do demos that is kind of like a combination of a Swedish smorgasbord and an IQ test. So they lay all this stuff out. No, wait, there's more. There's more. Wait, there's there's a lot more here. And then they say, can you figure out how you might use this in your business without ever asking questions about their needs or what's going on? So those are the demos not to do. So how would you draw the line between like, for example, a proof of concept, a trial, demo, an explainer video? How would you fit that in terms of purpose, like the the one we want to talk about specifically today? So I think what we're talking about today are demos that either, given a customer's description of their needs, gives them a glimpse of possibilities of what they could do, opens their eyes to things, or offers some level of proof that you can deliver on what you're talking about. I think a proof of concept works from their data or particular information from their environment you've incorporated into the presentation. And that would normally come in a second or third step. First of all, because customers are not all that willing to give you real data about their needs up front. They're trying to figure out, can you help me? And often at that point, they want to be running the software themselves. You can call it proof of concept. You can call it a trial. So normally in a first demo, you're the one that's operating the software or you're just flipping slides that show the features. So a key input of the demo is the discovery that you've done. You kind of narrow down a little bit the scope of what the organization is trying to achieve or you have a sense of the goals or you have a sense of the interest, what specifically is interesting around your solution. You have an idea of how you could actually shape your demo to make it less of a smorgasbord or make it less of an IQ test where you're able to kind of tie what you have with what the organization is at least looking at, if not specifically interested in it. Absolutely. And you should really 
That kind of tailoring is expensive, but it's very effective. So you want to be spending time up front on the discovery before you just launch into your demo. There is a situation where you don't have that luxury, and that is when you're in a trade show and people just walk up, right? And so what you've then got to do is some kind of abbreviated discovery where you get to ask two or three questions. Sometimes people won't. They say, I'm not going to tell you anything about myself. Just show me what you've got. You can then use a kind of a menu approach to say, okay, well, we cover a lot of things. There's five possible things I can show you. Which would you like to see first? And so you give them an idea of the range of things you can do, and they select what they're interested in. That's actually a form of discovery embedded in the menu, right? So the concern there is that either the organization might not want to share so much information, or they may feel like they actually want to get the demo, and that is just noise for them in order to get the demo. But at the same time, for the company, if you're showing them things that don't relate necessarily to their specific goals, you might not hit the mark. So there's that kind of balance that you're trying to find and you're trying to calibrate by asking the person to point you in the right direction that they're trying to get. Yeah, I think you have to proceed in a way that you make it clear that you're actually trying to give them just an eyedropper, not a fire hose, right? You're excited about your product, but you want to do the drip irrigation. You don't want to flood the whole field, right? So they still may not want to turn over many cards until they have some sense you can help them. But you're going to be way more effective the more of an understanding of their particular needs you can gain. Yeah. From my experience, oftentimes people will have an idea of what the solution that they're looking for, and they will often use that as a frame for how they evaluate whatever you're going to show them. So there may be just a misalignment in terms of expectations, which makes it a little more troublesome to get that initial agreement around whether it's a good fit or whether it's in the right direction, your product might do 60,000 different things. And maybe it does the thing that the customer is looking for, but it's difficult to get them to visualize or understand that it actually does that without having good discoveries. I've seen organizations withhold the demo to some extent until they're able to actually properly qualify. So there's a way to kind of frame that as value add for the people taking part in the demo or people interacting with the organization that this is very much for your benefit. I'm trying to see how I can help you. I'm trying to assist you in getting the desired outcome that you're looking for or the goal that you're looking for. Because sometimes just showing the wrong thing, people will put the product in the wrong box and then the person might disengage because they think this is not the type of solution that I need. Whereas the product might actually be able to provide them with the benefits that they're looking for. Yeah, there's a couple of things going on there. The word qualify has a couple of meanings. And I think that I would use that. I think you're trying to qualify that this customer fits a profile of people that you've either helped or believe you can help and leave the BANT, the budget authority timeframe out of it for the near term, right? People also get into that with pricing questions where the first customer's first question may be, what's it cost? And some people some sales guys play hide the football. Well, you know, why don't you see it? And then we can talk about, I mean, I think you're, you're better off to let the customer steer and answer their questions. And then as you answer their questions, you can ask them a question. But for the most part, the customer these days is in charge, at least in the early going. Yeah, um, yeah. I think especially like in complex B2B, there's an idea of which box do you put the solution in? 
which will kind of dictate that price that you mentioned, but also dictate maybe the people that need to get involved or the process that will follow or the way it gets accepted or whether it's actually relevant right now. So depending what you lead with in terms of the demo, it might put your solution in a different box in the head of the prospects. If I'm leading with, for example, the dashboarding piece of my solution, the product might be miscategorized or might be perceived as a dashboarding solution specifically. And then you are, you're having a discussion that will be difficult to get out from. I personally like the idea of delaying a little bit at the moment where you actually do feel like, okay, like I know what solution I should be showing this prospect as opposed to showing something too early and then you wind up with miscategorization and or disqualify the person disengaged because that doesn't seem to be the solution that they need. Oftentimes people's categorization is actually quite quick. So it's, it's good to somehow delay that a little bit. Everybody's pressed for time. And I, I think sometimes you can fall into a trap where the last three deals we closed, we demoed these two features of our dashboard. And that's great, but that may or may not be representative of the needs of the person you're talking to now. And so figuring out what those are. In the earlier episode, think of the sales episode, you talk about sometimes teams make a mistake and they put product first as opposed to trying to understand needs. The purpose of discovery is to actually figure out not necessarily how they're going to use the product, but what is it they're, that they're hoping the product is going to do for their business, which is different, right? And I think that's what you're really trying to uncover. What is it that they're hoping the product is going to do for them is what you're trying to discover. But we, we talked about this in the context of sales, like we're, we're following up on a, another sales episode that we did, but is that necessarily a sales activity. Maybe sometimes that might be the part that is hurting a little bit our approach there, because if we make this a sales activity, it might not be the same as a learning activity. It might not be the same as a customer success activity. How would you ideally modulate who's supposed to be doing the demo and like what's the right mental framework to look at this? Like what should be your perspective there? Are you trying to close? So in, Are you trying to? I think the customer is the one that does the closing, right? I don't, so that's my idiosyncratic view. Unless you clearly have product market fit and are scaling, then every conversation is going to involve learning and a commitment to customer success, right? In other words, if you've got a beaten path and you know how to execute, okay, then you can go into kind of more of a crank it out. But for the most part, most startups at least are not in that mode for a while. So I think even the quote sales activity is discovery driven and learning driven. And even if the demo doesn't advance to a closed deal, to the extent that you learn more about the needs of people that you feel are in the market or maybe adjacent to people you're trying to sell to, it's gonna be to your benefit. I'm actually a fan of just doing slides and just essentially, instead of demoing live software, just say, okay, so here's an example, here's an example, because that minimizes your mental overhead and it, it allows you to jump exactly to the points that you're trying to make. Now, at some point, you're going to need to do a live demo, but I think that's normally a second or third one when the customer has opened up a little bit more about their needs. I think it's a difficult conversation to both be worried about how to operate the software and to be trying to keep track of what's going on. And even if you have a second person involved, I think slides allow you to kind of jump exactly to what you're going. It also allows you to move things out of sequence a little bit. If the customer says, I don't believe you can do that, 
then you can say, fine, give me a minute. I'll fire up the real software and we'll, we'll show it to you, right? But I haven't taken part in a demo in a while where somebody goes, that's unbelievable. I can't believe you can do that, right? It's, it's, it's like technology can't do that. I can't do that, right? <laughs> No, I, I like that point. Like, I think it's a good point. I, I feel like that might be a little bit the challenge with demos to some extent where it looks like a product activity, but it somewhat is, it should be a business activity where you're trying to use that as the context to understand better the, the organization, their goal, understanding their process, understanding their outcomes, what they're trying to achieve. But it's easy to just turn this into, let me click on a few buttons and show you how that things do move around when you click on the buttons. It's easy to kind of switch mode and then you end up waiting for things to load, waiting for things to happen. And suddenly you're not necessarily doing as much of the discovery of the questioning that you should be doing in the, the process. Well, a lot of times I think people make the mistake. So, you know, Etienne, can the software do this, right? Your answer should be yes, Here's how we do it. Would you like to see it? As opposed to just, in other words, if you've been behaving in a trustworthy manner, a lot of questions that get asked, they just want to know yes or no, or a brief description. They don't actually want to take another four minutes to see you do something, right? Now, sometimes it's important to see how it does work, but I think that's one mistake. When I first started doing demos, they were owned by the quote training department. And so the way that I was trained to do demos was to train people how to use the software, which is completely, it, it was bad. It was bad. I was giving a demo once and the customer kind of took control of it and started asking questions. And I was like, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know I'm, I'm, I didn't quite say this. It was like, I'm supposed to be training you. And the sales guy said, hey, just show him what he wants. And that actually went better than the canned presentation that I had worked. And I realized you know, I got to start asking more questions and letting the customer lead the exploration. Yeah. Drive right? the show. But yeah. was, was that pre-sale or that was actually before having actually closed the deal? That was the responsibility of the training department? So th this was a startup back in the 80s. This is a while ago. Just for whatever reason, the way that they organized, there was like 15 of us in the company. And so they had a training guy and that guy was, you know, yeah, it's a training problem. You, you know, give us the demo script, right? Which was yeah. wrong. Well, it kind of arcs back to like that idea that that the demo could fit in multiple boxes and those boxes all, all come with preloaded perspective of what the process should be or what the outcome for the customer should be. So the discussion of whether it falls under customer success, sales or training or something else drives the agenda to some extent or the way people would approach the problem. And that can also be like a, a problem in terms of how you do the demo. Well, I do think customer success, all those people have to be able to give demos. And in the context of the conversations they're having, they may shape it to the particular situation they're in. Yeah, yeah. But maybe if we talk about the specifics of this, so how long should a product demo be, more or less? And, and with which stakeholders would you recommend actually doing the demo versus just capturing information versus just making them come on the process or whatever the structure should be? So the average attention span, in my experience, is about six to eight minutes. So people will spot you about that much time. If you haven't shown them something within the first six minutes that goes, oh, I'd like to learn more about that, then you have to start gracefully wrapping things up. If you can't discover something they're looking for and show it to them, then you're better off to kind of gracefully end things 
then keep trying because you can always email them afterwards or follow up afterwards and go, hey, I was thinking about that thing you said. I just want to let you know, here's a screenshot, here's this or that. People are very sensitive to lost time. So I think that's one thing. I think the second thing is there's normally kind of four audiences that might be in the room for the demo. You've got the people that are going to use the product directly. You've got the people that are managing those people that have different questions. You've got a business unit leader, an executive, somebody who's less concerned with exactly how the software works, but very concerned with what's the business outcome? Can we achieve this business outcome using this? And then you sometimes have gatekeepers. So an IT guy may say, hey, does this comply with our security policy? So a gatekeeper isn't really interested in the output directly. They're interested in the enforcement of standards or in the enforcement of guidelines, right? So you've got four people. In general, you want to break those people up as much as possible. If you've got a mixed audience, then you want to talk to the business person first because they're the most likely to leave. You want to make sure you, you're very clear about what's the business outcome that can be achieved with this product. The second thing is, here's how you manage this product as part of a business process, which is the manager's concern. And then you get a lot of questions from the users. And then the gatekeepers, you put them to the end. Now, sometimes you'll get a question up front. And what you can do is to essentially write down, if it's in a Zoom call, you can open up a supplementary window, open up a Google Doc and say, hey, I'm going to come back to that, but I want to write it down that I capture your question. Let's come back to that. If he insists or she insists, you can then ask the other people, is that the most important thing that everyone on the call wants to hear? If they say yes, then you've got to do it. If instead the business guy goes, you know, I actually got a question can it do this, then you can write it down and defer it, right? But the mixed audience problem, you're better off to give four, it, it seems less efficient, but you're better off to give four demos to the four different audiences than try and get everybody together in one big thing. Yeah, yeah, it's that tailoring, that, that's the challenge. Uh, like, so yes. if we break that down to some extent, so you're mentioning prospects will generally have an attention span of let's say four, six, eight minutes. You have these, these, let's say five, six minutes to make an intro to be able to understand and qualify a little bit what you should be prioritizing in terms of the objectives, depending on the audience, depending on the objectives, the goals that the organizations, the organization is looking at. And then you would tailor your presentation from either your deck or from the product itself in a way to be able to get them to understand the difference. What is the specific value so, that, so the, that we'll the, bring to it? The two things you'd accomplish first would be 20 seconds about your company. Some people take six minutes, they take their investment deck and they start to present, you know, why we're a great, why should, they don't quite say investment. You can see reading it, that this is just a repurpose investment. Don't do that. Say, hey, we've been in, we've been in business X, we're this, we're this, yeah. done. The next thing is you actually want to show them something, if you can, which is an output or a persistent data item that's going to be there after you turn the software off. So do you want to see a report like this? Do you want to see this kind of spell check thing? Something which is an output or an outcome, because that's what they're looking for. They're not actually, they're not actually trying to imagine, oh, I really want to get in and steer this fighter jet, right? It's like, hey, here's the outcome I want. Because the six minutes gets renewed 
if they start asking questions, if they become interested, this can run 30 minutes or an hour, provided they're still asking questions. You can explore at, at an appropriate depth of detail what they're looking for. And the two, the two ways people stumble up front are they spend six minutes or more bragging about themselves, or they don't show what the output is. They're treating the demo kind of like a mystery novel. You wait to the very last, you go, oh, by the way, the butler did it. It's like, no, this is, this is just like a scientific paper. You put the abstract right up front and you say, hey, what you're going to see today is X. And here's an example of that. If that's not what you're here for, I can save you time. We'll just stop here, right? If this, is, if this output, or tell me what output you're looking for. How would you know that your actual demo is working? And how would you know that your demo process altogether, like across different organization is also working. So the demo is working if you're getting questions, if you're getting data from customers, if they're asking to bring more people into it, essentially if the sale is advancing, right? And across customers, like how would you know if the way you're doing demos with your different leads or your different customers is in the right direction? Like how would you know when you should be making changes to your approach? You should be making changes to the way your organization is approaching doing demos. So you've talked about segments before, and I think in the beginning, entrepreneurs can be a little oblivious to the segments they're talking about. They're trying to become efficient and run everything through the same pipeline, right? And the reality is, although you may not realize it, and you may have this single ideal customer profile, when you really get into it, there's three or four different customer types in there. And you need to be alert to that. And secondly, the way that you talk to managers is different than executives, is different from the users. And another word for executive is the economic buyer. Ultimately, that guy's got to sign off. So you have to figure out what's actually moving the needle that they're going to spend money on. What is it they want to see? What is it you can prove to them that they go, yes, that's going to be worth spending money on this? Well, so, so when do you know that your demos don't work. How do you, as a team, like reassess the, the effectiveness of it? When people become really polite, <laughs> Etienne, I really want to thank you for your time today. You know, you've given us a lot to think about. Can we get back to you in a week or two? So not everybody says, you bored the crap out of us. We're not coming back. Sometimes they go, hey, thanks. This has been very helpful. I really want yeah. to thank you, right? So you can tell the demo didn't work if you didn't get a second meeting. If you're not having more conversations, if you do like six demos and none of them lead to a conversation, I don't know what you're doing wrong. You may be talking to the wrong people. You may be telling them the wrong things, but it's not working, right? Okay. But the reality is you need to have some kind of process to evaluate across different customers. Are your demos bringing things closer to the sale, more or less? Right. And I, I like to see two people or three people on the call where somebody is keeping track of all the questions and you've got a chance you have to be alert to the possibility, especially in these days of remote demos for the most part, that yeah. you may never hear from these people again. And yeah. so at least if you have two or three people on the call, you guys, you can ask yourself one question. If we never hear from these people again, what do we think we did wrong, right? Because if that's the case, your state of information will not change from right after that demo. And so having somebody else there to tell you, you know, I'm not sure if I would have done it that way. Or I don't think we answered that question very well. 
I think that's a good takeaway from this discussion is just the idea of taking note of these questions that you're getting, the objections that you're getting, who you're getting these objections for, these questions for, because your model to adapt and adjust in the future, your future demos will be at least to some extent based on the questions you got in the past. So the information that you know in this specific situation, this typically resonates, this typically doesn't resonate. Like your demo process should be getting better and you should also be able to qualify organizations a little more effectively as you move forward. What would be another good takeaway that you have for today's discussion? So when we talked about tough calls, you made a point about you're kind of building a decision factory or you're building a, a machine that reliably delivers, you know, good results. And I think looking at the demo process the same way doesn't mean that everybody's going to run through a common pipe, but I think you have to have a vision that you're going to build a kind of an intake flow, which may be complicated, but meets the needs of the people you're serving. So this idea of, of a systematic approach is a good one. And would you have a, one last takeaway from this discussion? You should definitely look at competitor demos where you can and see to the extent that they're solving the same problem, what kind of discovery questions do they ask? What do they view as their differentiated value? And how does that compare to what you're what you're pushing, right? You may be able to do the same things they do and maybe you're not featuring them well. Yeah, I think one thing people don't do enough is think of themselves as buyers of software. Oftentimes companies will be doing demos with multiple companies. So at the end of the day is how do you win the deal in that small consideration set? So knowing who these organizations are, but as well, how you compare and how you demo differently, how you demo in a more successful way will help you find a way to position it a little bit better. Do we end it there? So uh, just to build on that, yeah. it's always a legitimate question. If you've had two or three back and forth, it's legitimate to say, who else are you looking at? Who are you comparing us against, right? And that gives you some idea of their view of their need. Perfect. I think it's a good point to end the discussion. Where can people go to learn more or to ask us any questions? So you're lean to be lean B2B on Twitter. I'm SK Murphy. We're always looking for topics and questions to address. Yes, and we will see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this discussion on product demos. If you did, leave a like, leave a rating, and we'll see you next week for more actionable advice.